And man, I do pray that's our prayer, that we would just want to be like Jesus. I thank you, worship team, uh, for leading us, getting our hearts ready to hear from God's Word. I love that we get to jump into God's Word together, and at the end of the service, you're going to have opportunity to respond to whatever God's laying on your heart, whatever next step He wants you to take. You can use that connection card to make that next step. Uh, pray over that. Maybe you got a prayer request. Um, you can drop that off at the next steps, pay, uh, next steps booth back in the back. Uh, for now, I invite you to grab your, uh, your sermon notes. You can pull them up online on the Bible app or uh, get them out of your, your outline. We're in a series um, looking at the vision for 2024 and beyond, and we've been uh, looking at this the last couple of weeks. Uh, we've got this week and one more, and it's really just a vision for who is God leading us to be. And like I told you last week, it's just taking everything that we've been talking about for the last, really last several years, and, and packaging it all together, wrapping it all together, uh, and, and, you know, and, and seeing, you know, getting our hearts ready for whatever God has in store. You know, as you talk about vision, it's God who gives the vision. I don't give us a vision. Amen. Okay, God gives the vision. I didn't go up on some mountaintop and come back down with, oh, the vision, you know. But we have a, we have a, a, a mission and values and a strategy and, and measures that help us accomplish the mission. And we talked about some of that last week. We talked about uh, the mission and the values. Today we're going to get into strategy. Next week we're going to look at measures. By the way, uh, there in your, uh, in your worship guide, you should have a cool little bookmark. Uh, we got these in just in time um, uh, to share with you to, uh, today and next week, and we'll have these available. But it's got our, uh, our mission statement on there. What's the mission? Pointing people to Jesus. Let's say it again. Pointing people to Jesus. That's what we're all about is pointing people to Jesus. It's also got our, uh, our values, you know, where it says pointing people to Jesus. People ask you, you know, what's your church all about? You can tell them we're all about pointing people to Jesus, you know. When someone entrusts us with one of their kids over in Kid Zone, they can be sure that their kid is going to learn about pointing people to Jesus. If you're a young man here, we want to help you. If you're in our young adults ministry, we want to we help you get to the place where your life is pointing people to Jesus. And who knows, maybe you'll meet some young lady and you guys will fall in love and you'll be dating. You'll get to help her start pointing people to Jesus. And maybe you'll get married and God will bless you with babies and you can raise them and they will start pointing people to Jesus. That's what we're all about. Okay, we talked about also last week uh, about the values. Values are our guiding principles, and we're not going to go through all of them and explain them again. Just go back and watch last week's message as you need to, if you need to. But our values, the things that keep us headed in the right direction, uh, is biblical authority, prayer, generosity, relationships, and excellence. We unpacked all that. They're like the, the feathers on the back of an arrow. They keep it headed towards where it's supposed to go. Mission is where we're going. Values is what steers us, all right? And so today we come to strategy. And strategy is very simply this. If you're following along in the outline, if you like to fill in blanks, how many of y'all ever miss a blank and you're like, oh man, go back, I missed a blank. How many of y'all don't even obsess about it and you're just like, when's he going to get done so I can go get some chicken? All right, anyway, so strategy, strategy is how we accomplish the mission, all right? Values, values are our guiding principles. Mission is where we're headed. Strategy is how we accomplish the mission. It's how we live out 
those values as we're headed towards the mission. And the mission is pointing people to Jesus. It's a good statement. It's easy to understand. It's easy to remember. It's easy to apply. But as you look at that statement, pointing people to Jesus, it's a little vague, you know? I mean, if that's all it is, people say, well, what does that mean, pointing people to Jesus? How are you pointing people to Jesus? And that's where strategy comes in. And here's the good news, guys. We don't have to come up with a strategy. Jesus has already given us a strategy. He's given us and every believer and every church in existence the strategy for how he wants us to live through a couple of really key statements that we find in the Gospels. Um, we find them in uh, Matthew's gospel specifically. Matthew chapter uh, 22, is the, we find the great commandment. And then also in Matthew 28, we find the great commission. Let's take a moment and read those real quickly. The great commandment is this from Matthew 22, uh, verse uh, 37 to 40. He says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. That's the great commandment. Then we get over to Matthew 28, a passage we've talked about here uh, a lot. Maybe not as much, you know, uh, recently, but we've talked about it a lot. The great commission, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. It, Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always. Guys, the way we as a people and we as a church are going to be known for pointing people to Jesus is by living out these two very simple commands, these two key scriptures that Jesus gave us. Now, we're going to take a minute to unpack these, and then when we're done unpacking them, we're going to take a look at the strategy. And here's the good news. You've already got the strategy lined out for you. It's right down here in the bottom on the backside of that uh, bookmark. It says, loving God, loving people, making disciples. Will you say that with me? Loving God, loving people, making disciples, all right? But let's, let's first, let's jump into God's Word because it's way better to hear from God than to hear from me, amen? Now, y'all answered that really heartily. Sometimes you don't give me a strong amen, but that was way too hearty. It really wasn't. It was exactly as hearty as it needed to be. All right, so Matthew 22, 37 and 40. We're going to read it in a minute. But what's going on in this passage is, uh, this is the great commandment. Jesus is answering uh, one of the religious leaders, and they're trying to trap him with a question, okay? They're, they're, there's a question, uh, you know, about which commandment is the most important. Now, when you and I think of commandments, how many do you normally think of? I think of 10. You know, Moses coming down off the mountain with the two tablets. He's got the Ten Commandments. And so that's what we typically think of when we hear the word command or commandment. But for the Jewish leaders, they had over 600. I think it was like 613 or 15 or something like that. They had over 600 rules and laws and regulations. And some of them were really strict and some of them were kind of lenient. And so what's going on here? And they would argue and debate among themselves about which was the most important, you know, to show who was who and, and who had held to the law more and all this kind of stuff. And so they're trying to trap Jesus because if he answers, they say, which commandment is the most important? If he answers with one of the strict commandments, they'll say, ah, oh, see, he's not that loving like, like he says he is. And if he answers with one of the more lenient commandments, they'll go, ah, oh, see, he doesn't obey the law. He doesn't hold tight to the law like we do. So they're trying to trap him. Well, Jesus is Jesus and he's way ahead of them. You know, he knows what they're up to. And so he answers them with this. Let's read again, Matthew 22, 37 to 40. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. Jesus' response to them, he starts off, he, his answer comes from the Old Testament, from Deuteronomy chapter 6, a section of Scripture known as the Shema. Let's read that, Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. We're not going to read all of it, just the first two verses. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Some translations say the Lord is one. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. Now, if you read over in Matthew's, excuse me, Mark's gospel, I think it's Mark 12. Mark says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Here, Jesus says heart, soul, and mind. In Deuteronomy, it says heart, soul, and strength. There's a, a reason why, they, why it's changed. It has to do with the Septuagint, and I'm really off track already. But don't worry, Jesus didn't get the passage wrong, okay? Because he is the word, amen? All right, cool. I think he knows what it means. Anyways, the point is this. He's quoting to him a very familiar passage called the Shema. And the word Shema means to hear. It comes from the first line. It says, listen, O Israel, or hear, O Israel. In our terminology, be like somebody saying, hey, listen up, pay attention. A teacher saying, this is going to be on the test, okay? This is important stuff is what he's saying. And the Shema was a Jewish confession of faith that devout Jews would recite daily. And so what Jesus is doing here, this passage was very familiar to them, and Jesus' answer would have been very convicting to them when they're asking which is the most important. And so what Jesus is doing here is he's reminding them that the, of the most important thing, the most important obligation that a person has is to love God with the totality of their being. Tony Evans puts it this way. He says, all the law of the Old Testament can be reduced to this simple command, love God with all you have. Love God with all you have. Love him with everything. Now, here's the cool thing. Jesus could have just stopped right there because he answered their question, what's the most important command? And he gave it to them. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. But then he, he goes on. You know, they're standing there a little sheepish like, oh, yeah, that is the most important command. He got us again, you know. But he goes on. He continues. He goes, and the second is like it. Or there's another one that's just equal to it, which is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God Love, love God with everything you have and love your neighbor like you love you. And this is a quote from the Old Testament. It's, a, it's, it's found in Leviticus. I bet you didn't think we'd be getting into Leviticus in a, in a vision series, but here we are. Leviticus 19, verse 18. It says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. That's God saying, hey, I've, I have spoken. I have said it, Period. And I think what Jesus is trying to say here, or what he is saying here, is that if we love God, then we will love what God loves. If we love God, then we will love who God loves. And guys, God loves people. God loves people. God loves you. God loves people like you. God loves people very different from you. But God loves people. And not only will we love people, but we'll love people like we love us. That's what he says. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. Let me ask you, what do you do when you're hungry? You put food in your belly, if you're able to. 
If you're able to afford, if you got groceries, you know, you're able to stop and get something, whatever, but you put food in your belly. What do you do when you're cold? You turn the heat up or you bundle up. What do you do when your car's about to run out of gas? You stop and get gas. Why? Because you don't want to be hungry, cold, and stranded. You like you. You love you. You take care of you. Not in a weird narcissistic way, but just in a common sense, I'm going to meet my needs. And God says that when we love others like we love, or God tells us rather to love others like we love us. Jesus commands us that that if you love God, you're going to naturally love others. That's what he's saying here. If you love God, you can't help but love who God loves. And so Jesus' great command to us is to love God with all we have and to love people like we love ourselves. Now, there's another key passage Jesus gives us, and it's known as the Great Commission. It's found over in Matthew chapter 28. And here in this passage, Jesus has been crucified. He's been raised back to life. He's uh, appeared to his disciples over a period of about 40 days, giving them many convincing proofs that he's alive. And now he's about to be uh, head, he's about to head up to heaven. And before he does, he gives them some final instructions. We find these here in Matthew 28, and then also in uh, Acts chapter 1, we find some final instructions that Jesus gives to his disciples uh, as he's handing over to them the responsibility of spreading the gospel into all the world and making disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who do what? There we go. Cool. All right. Um, So here we have Matthew 28, 19 and 20. This is the great commandment, okay? It's not the pretty good commandment. It's not the okay commandment. It's the what? Great commandment. Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All right, so there's a lot going on in this passage. There's a lot of commands and instructions, but it's called the great commandment, but there's like five things that Jesus tells us to do. There's five verbs in there. Go, make disciples, baptize, teach, and then be assured or be sure, or be convinced, you know, however your translation uh, reads. So there's like five things. Why isn't it called the great commandments? It's only called the great commandment. It's because even though there's a bunch of instructions going on here, there's a bunch of verbs, there's one that stands out. There's one that is an imperative. I am not a Greek scholar, but I read a lot of commentaries, and that's the word they used was this is an imperative verb, okay? So it is imperative that I share this with you, all right? So there's one verb that stands out, one command, one instruction that stands out about, above all of them, and it's the command to make disciples. Everything else tells us how we are to make disciples. Everything else comes up underneath that and supports it. But making disciples is the primary command of this passage. So if making disciples is the most important thing Jesus commanded his disciples to do, and if you're a Jesus follower, then you are a disciple. A disciple is not like an elevated Christian. Once you become a Jesus follower, you become a disciple, right? See, you didn't answer that as strong as you did the other one a minute ago. But, but once you're a Jesus follower, you are a disciple. Christian, disciple, believer, Jesus follower, child of God, it's all the same thing, okay? Okay, thank you. So if that's the most important thing is making disciples, then how do we do it? Three simple things he tells us to do here. First is to go. 
The way we make disciples first, we go. We, we go. We, we, we just get out there. We go find people. We go find people who don't know Jesus and we tell them about Jesus. Now, some people interpret this as as you go, you know, as you go about your daily life, as you shop, as you work, as you, that's one way to interpret it. Others take it as a, as a much more intentional, active verb. Whichever one you want to interpret it as, just go. Jesus doesn't say sit. Sit and hope they show up. Sit and hope somebody comes to you. Sit and hope, no, he says to go. Go take Jesus to people who need Jesus, whether that's across the street or around the world, go. The second thing he tells us to do is to baptize. Baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And you notice I'm doing these like this and not like this because I don't want you to get confused. Like, okay, you know, Father's up here and the Son and Spirit are down there. Remember, we turned them sideways. It's, a, it's three in one. Everybody's still with me, the Trinity. All right, cool. If you've been coming here a while, you remember me sharing that illustration before. So uh, the Lord is one God, the triune God. We are baptizing people. We are leading them to faith in Jesus, uh, relationship with God, empowered by the Spirit. Here's the deal, guys. Here's why baptism is so important, okay? Here's why getting people and helping people get to the place where they place their faith in Jesus is so important. Is we're not just trying to help people live more moral lives. We hope they do, but that's not the goal. We're not just trying to help couples have better marriages. We're not just trying to help parents be better parents or people get a, a better handle on their finances or overcome an addiction. We want to introduce people to Jesus, the only one who can change their lives. And we want to lead them to make a public profession of faith saying, I'm a Christ follower. Amen? That's what baptism is. Baptism is them making a public profession of their faith in Jesus so that everybody they know, all their friends, all their family, all the lost people they know, and all, you know, everybody can know, wow, this person's life is completely different. And that's why he says to baptize because it is, it is that opportunity for them to be a, a witness to others around them to say, Jesus has changed my life. I'm not just turning over a new leaf. I'm not just turning things around. God has totally wrecked my life and he's in charge and I love it. Thank you. That happened to you, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you. Wrong one. You see, you're like a ventriloquist over there. You know, I thought it was, all right, never mind. For those of you who are new, I'm a little easily distracted. The last one is teach. Go, baptize, teach. I'm not going to cover be assured because that's in there, but maybe I should have. But anyways, the third one is teach, and it's teach people to obey. Teach people to learn what Jesus said and to apply what Jesus said and then to obey what Jesus said. In other words, you know, teach new believers to go and to baptize and to teach others about Jesus. What Jesus is saying here in these three things, and, by, and Jesus is with us, and, that, and we're not doing this on our own power. We're doing it through, through the power of the Holy Spirit with us. Jesus is saying to go tell people about Jesus, to help them place their faith in Jesus, and show them how to live for Jesus. That's what the Great Commission is. And guys, when we are doing these things, when we are living like this, that's when we're fulfilling Jesus' command to go and make disciples. That's when we'll be a church that is making disciples. These two passages, Matthew chapter 22, 37 to 39, or actually 40, and then Matthew 28, 19 to 20 are central, central passages to the Christian faith. 
You'll find some churches that say, hey, we're a great, we're a great commandment church living by the uh, great commission or, you know, whatever, you know, we're a great commission church living by the great, you know, whatever. But they'll, basically what they're saying is we want to go love God, love people and make disciples. And that's, that's the guiding passage. In essence, what these, what these tell us to do is that we, our strategy that Jesus has given us is to be a church and to be Christians who are loving God, loving people and making disciples. So, how do we do that? Let's unpack that real quickly. Let's look at our strategy a little closer. You've got there in your outline a whole bunch of blanks. Um, I get crazy about blanks sometimes, so just hang with me, okay? So how, how do we go about loving God? Well, and this is a process. This is a strategy. So there's some steps to this, okay? And the first is this. I follow Jesus. I'm a disciple, okay? The, the way you begin loving God is by entering into a relationship with God through faith in Jesus. That's how you begin loving God, okay? And by the way, if you look at that image beside loving God, what image is that? Somebody tell me, what is it? It's a cross. Thank you. That was David. You got the easy one. All right, cool. It's super simple to figure out. It's a cross. And you'll notice there's a dark dot, a dark square in the middle of that. Think of that as you. Think of that as you living your life in Christ. You with me? All right, cool. Just, just hang with me, okay? And so loving God begins with you following Jesus, with you being a disciple, you know? It begins with you entering into a relationship with God through faith in Jesus. Matter of fact, you really can't love someone fully unless you're in a relationship. I was talking to a young man the other day, and he said, hey, you want to see a picture of my girlfriend? I was like, sure. And he showed me a picture of his girlfriend, and she was really cute. I wouldn't say out of his league, but maybe a little bit. And I was like, this is your girlfriend? He goes, yeah. I was like, does she know? I mean, you know, because otherwise you're just a stalker. But she did know. They're, they're boyfriend and girlfriend and everything's cool, you know. But we start loving God by entering into relationship with him through faith in Jesus. That's what it means to be a Jesus follower. That's where it starts. It starts at the cross. It starts with you living in Christ. It continues, though, as it's still loving, loving God. I worship the Lord. I live my life to bring him honor and glory. Worshiping is not just what we did at the first part of the of the. Of the um, worship time here of the, of the service, okay? It's not just singing songs. Worship is living your life to honor and glorify the Lord. It's living in obedience to him. If you love God, you're going to want to do the things that God wants you to do. Loving someone means that you do the things that please them. I love my wife. And because I love my wife, I do the things that make her happy. I do a lot of things that annoy the, the, the bejesus out of her. But I try to do things, more things, that make her happy. You know, I help with the dishes. Uh, I help around the house. I pick up the dog poop in the backyard. You know, I do all the things, you know. I, and it's not because I, well, if I do these things, then maybe she will love me. I do these because I love her and she already loves me. I don't do it to earn her love. I do it because I already have her love. And I know it makes her happy. Well, the same thing is true with you and God. You don't do things for God to earn God's love. If you love God, you want to bring him glory. You want to be obedient to his commands, and you want to do the things that, that, that please him, okay? And so that's how we respond to God's love. We respond by living our lives to honor him. Now, if you're loving God, then naturally, naturally, uh, you're gonna lead, it's going to lead to the very next part of the strategy, which is loving people. And that loving people also has a symbol by it. What's that symbol? Somebody tell me. 
It's a circle. Thank you. All right. Good job. Paying attention. It's a circle. And you notice there's a little dark dot in the circle. That also represents you because you live your life in circles. You've got all sorts of groups, all sorts of circles that you're around. Hey, there it is. Cool. All right. Uh, there it is. <laughs> you have all sorts of circles that you live in, that you run in. Your family circle, sometimes a family circus. Uh, your family circle, your work circle, your school circle, uh, your, your, your church circle, you know, your neighborhood circle, even your marketplace circle where you go and, and shop and, and conduct business and all that stuff. We live our lives around other people. God put us to be, he put us on this earth to be around other people. And so as you're in that circle, whatever circle you may be in, we want to be loving people. I know a lot of y'all want to be avoiding people, but God calls us to be loving people. So how do we love people? So here's a few things we can do. I grow in my love for God and others by spending time. All the introverts take a deep breath. Okay, by spending time with other believers in fellowship, Bible study, worship, and prayer. I grow in my love for God and others by spending time with people. And I spend time with them in fellowship, in Bible study, in worship, and in prayer. You know, studies show that most people come to church. I don't think it describes this church, but most people come to church about two or three times a month. And when they come to church about two or three times a month, they just come to something like this. They just come to big church. They just come to the worship service. Now, again, I'm thankful that doesn't describe most people in this church. But if that's you, let me encourage you to take the next step and to get into a connect group. Get into a Jesus circle of people here at our church. Because that is the best place. It's Sunday mornings at 945. That's the best place for you to experience fellowship and Bible study and prayer and, and connection, that is the best place for you to do that. Even, even, you know, you're doing the worship part in here. Let's take it to the next step. That's not the only place you can experience that, but here, that's, that is a good next step for you. We love people by spending time with people. Uh, the second bullet point there is I serve in my church to meet people's needs and to help others grow in their faith. I serve in my church to meet needs and to help people grow. This is just a quick paraphrase. You can look it up later, but Ephesians 4, uh, 12 and 13 tells us it's the role of the leaders of the church to equip the people of the church to do the work of the church to build up the church. So as you serve in different areas, as you do the things that God's called you to do, you are showing love to others by the way you serve. You know, you may serve Every Sunday or once a month or special events, you might teach a class, you might hold the door open and hand out worship guides. Know this, whatever you do, your serving is an act of love. And your serving is meeting needs and helping to build up the body so we can all reach spiritual maturity and unity. And then the third bullet point, the way, we, the way we love people, the way we're loving people is I find ways to show the love of Christ to those who may not yet know Jesus. I find ways to show the love of Jesus to those who don't yet know Jesus. Listen, serving in here is great, but there's a whole lot more people out there than there are in here. This morning, there's way more people outside the walls of this church than there are inside the walls of this church. And so what we want to do is we want to love others by showing them the love of Christ. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 13 to 16, that we're to be salt and light. He says, as you shine your light, you are pointing people to Jesus. You are uh, pointing people to, to God, and they are glorifying God. And so we want to show the love of Jesus and point people to Jesus. All right, so you're loving God. 
You're loving people. Finally, and, and you know, and as we see, we, we see more and more people experience God's wonderful love, then we come to this last one, number three in our strategy, which is making disciples. And this last image, what is it? It's an X, all right? In math, what, is, what does an X represent? Times, yeah, time. Multiplying, yes, thank you. I learned my times tables. Thank you. That's how old we are, you know, times tables. All right, cool. It represents multiplying, and that's what discipleship is. Discipleship is multiplication. That's what we want to, I got to be honest with you, by the way, this was the toughest one for me to do because there is so much out there on discipleship. You know, we, we got stuck studying all the things on discipleship to finally Gina said, I'm just going to go disciple. And we followed that example. We said, well, maybe we should just go do it. You know, what is the, what's the saying? A bad plan enacted is better than a perfect plan never enacted. All right, but it was a good plan. It wasn't a bad plan. But, but there's just tons of stuff. There's tons of different plans and models and methods on how to do discipleship. But they all basically say the, the same following strategy that I'm going to give you right here. And that's this. Here's the strategy for, for making disciples. I strive to continually grow more and more Christ-like so others can follow my example. It begins, making disciples begins with you being somebody that others can look to, somebody that is, is modeling what it means to be a Christ follower. And so grow in your relationship with Jesus so that when others look for a, a Christian, when others look for someone to, to model their life after, yes, they ought to spend time in God's word, but they can look to you and say, okay, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow the path that you have set out. I'm going to follow in your footsteps. I found a trail the other day in our neighborhood. There's all sorts of trails winding around. And I was like, you know, I'm going to take this trail. I've never taken this trail before. And there's two things that convinced me that I wasn't just on a game trail. Um, one, it was a pretty wide path. Two, there were stones marked out every now and then, marking, say, hey, take a curve here, do that. But you know what else I saw? I saw footprints ahead of me. I saw tennis shoe prints of a dude who has got little, or a woman, who, somebody who's got little triangle footprints on, their, on the bottom. I was like, I'm just going to follow in their footsteps. And then they ran out in the wash. So if you're watching and you know where that goes, please let me know because I, I spent like half a mile just wandering up and down the wash. All right, anyway, so, but that's what you want to do for people. You want to let them follow in your footsteps and say, I've already gone this way. You can go the way I'm going. I strive to continually grow more and more Christ-like so others can follow my example. Second bullet point, I pray for and look for opportunities to share the gospel. A key part of discipleship is evangelism. It's sharing the good news of Jesus. Listen, you can't disciple new believers if you don't have new believers. All right, we're a church. I think we average about 150 on a Sunday. Let's say we got 50 disciples in here, 50 people who have gone through discipleship, They've been through our process, and they say, I'm ready to disciple somebody else. And they spend the whole year next year making disciples. How many disciples will we have next year? 50 times 2 is how much? Thank you. All right, 100. And let's say those 100 say, all right, I'm going to make disciples. How many will we have? 200. Now, we average about 150 in church, but I bet there's some people who don't come every Sunday. So let's just say there's about 200 of us in here. So by next year, everybody who calls this church home, all 200 or so people will have been discipled. What are we going to do the next year? We've run out of people. No. I pray, go get more. I pray for and look for opportunities to share the gospel so that people can place their faith in Jesus and then I can begin to make disciples. 
so that you can begin to make disciples. Got it? Got it. All right. And then the last one is I help new believers grow in their faith so they too can become disciple makers. I help new believers grow in their faith so they too can become disciple makers. You know, we got, we got lots of new moms, and, and I love, you know, they're just, they're just taking care of those babies, and they're loving them, and they're watching over them and protecting them, and anytime there's that, achoo, oh my goodness, you know, they are so careful and so thoughtful, you know, because they care about those new babies, right? They, they, they care about them when they become big babies, but they love them. That's a natural thing for a parent to do is to care for their children. A natural and normal thing for you and I to do for a new believer is to, is to care for them just like an infant Christian and say, we want to we love you. We want to train you up. We want to you know, help you grow up into a mature believer, becoming a disciple maker. Here at our church, we have an intentional process of helping people move from their present spiritual condition to becoming fully devoted followers of Christ. And that might be from unbelief to belief. It might be from belief to, to growth. Or it might be from growth to multiplication or, or reproduction, you know, spiritual reproduction. But we want to help every single person move from wherever you are in your walk with Jesus to where you need to get to. And where we all need to get to is making disciples. Now, can we throw, oh, it's up there, cool. I want you to see there's a process in this. It starts with you loving God. Okay, that's where it starts. It goes next to you loving people, you being you in those circles that you're in, loving people. And as you're loving people, a natural next step is for you to be making disciples. And as you make disciples, guess what they're going to start doing? They're going to start loving God and loving people and making disciples. And it just goes on and on and on and on. That's the strategy that we want to pursue. It's very simple. It had to be for me to understand. Um, It had to be for me to be able to communicate to you. It's not hard. It's what Jesus gives us in the Bible. The question is, will we do it? Or will we just check the box and say, okay, we went through the vision series. Now what's next? I'm just going to warn you, you're going to hear a lot more about the things that we've talked about in the vision series all throughout the year. It's going to get to where you're going to be like the people of Israel where they were just choking on quail and they had it, you know, they were just coming out their nostrils like, we're sick of this. You're going to get to the place where you're like, I'm just sick of you talking about the vision. And maybe when we get to that place, then maybe we've got it. But it starts, it starts with you and I saying, yes, I love God. Yes, I'll love people. And there's some hard people to love, but I'll love people. And yes, I'll let God use me to make disciples. Will you join with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, all across the room, we do pray that you would move on people's hearts. We've we've worshipped you through scripture, through song. We've gotten into your word, Father. Your Holy Spirit, I pray, has been speaking to us all throughout this time. And I pray that you will continue to speak to us, Lord. As we have this time of response, As we have this time of just continuing to worship you, I pray that we will say yes to whatever it is you're calling us to say yes to. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As our our worship team is going to lead us in this next song, just just got three questions for you. What's your decision today? Some here today, let me ask you, do you love God? If you do, that's great. But if you don't, if there's never been a time in your life where you've placed your faith in Jesus, you can begin loving God today by placing your faith in Jesus to save you. We will have people at the Next Steps booth to to talk to you after the service right there where you are. You can just call out to God and say, God, I'm ready to start loving you today. I'm ready to place my faith in Christ today. I'm ready to be a Jesus follower, a Christian, a child of God, a disciple.
Let me ask you this. Do you love people? Is there someone or some way that you need to start loving people the way God wants you to? If so, respond to God's call in your life to do that. And then finally, are you a disciple who's making disciples? And if not, are you willing to start? Will you stand with us as we sing?